Welcome to Table Radio. This is Rooted in Advent. The following is Andy's sermon for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Enjoy. God in three persons. God in three persons. Tonight's reading comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. One of Jesus' favorite images in the Gospels, one of Jesus' favorite images of the way in which God works in the world, is that of a seed. This is a Douglas fir seed. You might not even be able to see it very well or at all on the camera. And that's part of the point. It's essentially invisible. And it produces something so much greater and so different. It's one of the wonders of the creation that Jesus picks up on as a picture of what God's work in the world is like. Something so small and seemingly insignificant could produce something so enormous and different. The gospel itself is just such a seed. It's unbelievable in its claims. It's unimaginable in its implications. It's not entered into the heart of men or women what God has prepared for those who love him. And the beginning of the gospel, this story from tonight with Mary and the announcement, it's like a seed of the seed. It's a picture of the way that God works. That's the way that God works, not just worked 2,000 years ago one time, but the way that God works in the world, in our lives. And this is an important story for us because, like Mary, we have to respond in some way to this news. It's not a question of whether we will respond, 
but how are we going to respond? And that's true whether um, we identify as Christian or not, liberal, conservative, it, it doesn't matter. We have to respond to this. Will we believe it? Will we be scandalized by it, offended? Will we say yes to God working in and through us to do something unimaginable? Or will we say no, not possible, not interested? Mary, for her part, was greatly perplexed, confused, and she had to keep pondering within herself, considering, working it out like a puzzle. Something's not adding up here. How can this be? It's too much. It's too good. It's too big a thing for such a small and humble beginning. And fear and suspicion tend to get the best of us in these kind of moments, in these kind of stories. And no doubt, Mary was wrestling with some of these as well. And for us, you and me, 2020, it's been a year of isolation. It's been a year of invisibility. It's been a year of loneliness and fear. And some of us are doing really well despite all of that, and others of us are doing terrible. And our prayers have been deeply shaped by this season, by a dark season. And our imaginations for what is possible may have grown as dark as the season itself. But here is some good news. Mary was not praying for Emmanuel. Not in this way. She was not praying for a child to be born of a virgin who would be God with us. Nobody was. This was not on the radar. This was not part of the framework of the Jewish expectation. God just came. This was the unexpected way that God came to be present and to rescue from the darkness. And this is the point. It's a seed. God acting in your life. God saving you through tangible and weakness. Like this seed, a wonder to produce something unimaginable to produce transformation that goes beyond our imagination. It was unbelievable because it was unimaginable. It was scandalous because it was God becoming tangible. And it was confusing because it came through a nobody from nowhere. So, Jerusalem and Judah, that's the center of Israel, the temple. This is the center socially, religiously, and politically. Galilee, where Mary is, just north of Judah a bit, was, by all those same metrics, the farthest place from Jerusalem. And it was even suspect. It was not a good place to be from. And we'll notice Mary's introduction from the story. A virgin, doesn't start with the name, Betrothed to a man, so we'll learn about who this person is according to who she's betrothed to. His name is Joseph. His house is of the house of David. And by the way, the virgin's name was Mary. 
If there was a lowest end on the social ladder, Mary was located there. She was about to marry into the ancient house of royalty, now deprecated, definitely not recognized by the world powers, but she hadn't even done that yet. Now compare this to the previous episode where Zechariah gets visited by the angel, Gabriel. Zechariah, a priest, serving in the temple in Jerusalem. These two could not be at more polar ends of the spectrum. What's more, Luke marks the time and location of events in his gospel with, like most historians would, with kings and emperors. He starts out with, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. And he goes on later on, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. That was when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All these political giants to mark our time and location, to give us an orientation. But in this story, God sidesteps the political giants, the popular movements, getting all the social media attention, the earth-shattering events of the day, and he comes to a 12 or 13-year-old girl, no name, from nowhere. And he will make her womb the center of the cosmos, effectively. And by the way, he will make her name very well known. Which begs the question in this story for us, why? Why her? Why such effort not to go just a little bit less under the radar? Maybe like with the number two or three in command, they could stage a coup, bring revolution. But to go so low... Mary knows, and she sings about it in the next episode. Nova read it at the beginning of our time, the candle lighting. She knows because his mercy is for those who fear him. He shows strength with his arm and nobody else's. It's part of the point. He scatters the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He brings down the mighty from their thrones, and he exalts those of humble estate. He fills the hungry with good things, and the rich he sends away empty. Mary is selected. Mary is seen because, one, she is not proud and trusts in God's goodness and power. And two, because God shows his own goodness and power through the weak and the invisible things of our world. So that those who have eyes to see it and those who have ears to hear it, oh, I lost my seed. That's how small it is. To those who have ears to hear it and to ponder it like Mary, to work out the puzzle of God working in our neighborhoods, in our marriages, in our lonely apartments, in our cities, that we might change our minds. We might have our imaginations changed, expanded, and we might come to this one, this Jesus, and offer up our own lives to him also. To lay down what pride we have to see our weakness as an asset something desirable by God. 
and to yield ourselves also to this audacious and unimaginable work of God with us. But it's not just this confusion of God working through the week that we have to face and ponder and work out. It's also the scandal of God working in and through us through tangible means. And this flies in the face of a lot of our modern spirituality, Christian, non-Christian. doesn't matter. It tends to focus on feelings and ideas and, well, the intangible. The angel says to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. Very tangible. (laughs) Son of God, God with us, God dwelling in our midst. Again, not on the Jewish radar of the times, not on their hopes and expectations. Messiah, yes. Rescuer, yes. Redeemer, yes. God himself in the flesh with us, no. And compare again to the previous episode with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was barren. They were both advanced in years. They're old. They didn't have any child, children. But this is at least a familiar story. This is Sarah and Abraham. This is Hannah gave birth to Samuel. And now Gabriel says, God has heard your prayers. They've been answered. It's a miracle. Mary wasn't praying for this. No one was. This was not on the radar. But she was likely praying for other things. A leader to restore the fortunes of a dispossessed and oppressed people. Praying for justice. A reversal of evil. A reversal of the darkness. A reversal of curse. But God was coming himself to be the solution. A newborn tangible, weak, breakable, holdable. God's word made flesh, as John would later put it. And a word is like a seed, said Jesus, small, insubstantial, seemingly innocuous, weak. But when we make space for that little seed, in our hearts, and our imagination, like Mary does, it takes root, it transforms, and it becomes a tangible something. A kingdom. And we are called to bear God with us. To, like Mary, make room in our own hearts and imaginations for the seed of God's words to us that God himself may be born, that is, carried in us and by us wherever we go. It's an offensive idea that we in our brokenness and weakness and all our imperfections might bear God with us wherever we go. Mary ponders this, not just here, but throughout the story, if you read through Luke, taking each moment and working it out. For her, she's not scandalized by the idea that God is doing something so unimaginable to restore goodness and justice and peace in the world. But she works out in her heart and her imagination, how is he doing this? 
She models for us a true humility with an imagination ready for God's impossible work that goes beyond even our deepest prayers and longings. And that seems as good a clue as any as to why she found favor with God, this young girl, why God was pleased to work in and through her. So we should and will continue to pray for more light, for a merciful end to this long season of darkness and isolation, of loneliness and fear. But let us be ready also for the surprising work of God that we could not possibly have ever guessed or imagined. That goes beyond our own prayers and into the further depths of his goodness and mercy and love towards us. To prepare him room in the darkness. To trust and believe that God desires to be at work in and through you also. To be present to you in surprising and tangible ways that you would have never thought possible. To grow in our anticipation and expectation of God's presence to us. and To ponder how God is working in us to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. God, thank you for this story. This remembering of Mary. God, that that she said, yes, let it be according to your word. God, may we have the same expandable imagination to respond in such an honest and humble way to you. Ready for, ready for what we can't imagine or even think to hope for. Thank you that you are that kind of God that does those kinds of things with us and through us and for us. In Jesus' name, amen. listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by Josh Walton and Richard Charter. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Falling